Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Sometimes people are worried about the future of the church. Um, I'm not worried about it because, number one, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But I'm not worried about it, number two, when I see young people who have decided to follow Jesus and are living their life for Him and are filled with such great joy and hope and peace and uh, what a wonderful testimony. So, young ladies, thank you so much. We just love each one of you. Praise God. I want to talk with you this morning for a few moments from the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, among the Gospels, is unique in that uh, Luke, Luke had a, an emphasis on women and people of low estate, unlike any other Gospel. Um, and it's only in the account of Luke that the, uh, that the angels came to Mary. In Matthew, the angel came to Joseph. Um, and in Luke, however, he came to Matthew, or came to, uh, came to Mary, and also to Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist, and to Zacharias, who, would be the, who was the father of John the Baptist. But I want to share with you today about Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This month we've been in a series about Jesus Christ. And there are three, three titles, if you would, or offices or roles about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came as the prophet. He came as the great high priest who is the intercessor and the mediator between you and me and who is the mediator of the new covenant or the new testament. And Jesus Christ is king. And I want to share with you today from Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 33. And we're going to read um, we're going to read these verses, and uh, then we have a children's video that we're going to see that is really, really cute. It's on the cost of Christmas, but let's, let's look at the Scripture. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you or overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived 
a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The account that we read in Luke um, chapter 1, the angel Gabriel came to Jesus. What we read earlier in the service, chapter 2, the angels came to the shepherds that were there. And God used uh, heavenly messengers uh, to appear to people to announce good news, good tidings. And the background around the birth of Jesus and what concerns Mary is that um, there was what was called, that at that time was called the Pax Romana. It had been 400 years, and the Roman government uh, was in power for that long. They had conquered uh, the known world. But the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, was a very, very bitter pill for so many people. Uh, if you weren't a Roman citizen, you were forced to do things against your will. And at the same time, uh, there had been 400 years of silence of, uh, from heaven. Uh, we read from the book of Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, to what was written in the New Testament. There was 400 years of just sort of cold silence from heaven. And God's people had always relied on hearing from God through his prophets, the angels appearing, but there was nothing that was there. And you combine a silence with heaven from the bitter pill of uh, being under the, the often iron-fisted wrist, wrist, uh, iron rule of the Roman Empire, it was a, a life that was pretty heartless and, and uh, even... The religious authorities at that time sold out to, for they sold out to the Roman government uh, in order to build one of the wonders of the world, which was the temple, and and that covered uh, 37 acres. 37 acres is a huge parcel, but it was all built by the Romans. Uh, it was part of what they did so that there would they would gain some sort of peace in what is present day uh, Israel. And, but in exchange for that, the religious leaders at that time had allowed the Roman government to put over the most holy place, an eagle. And the eagle represented to them, it was an absolutely unclean animal. It was a desecration, something that they were to avoid and never to, to eat. Today we think of the eagle as being a source of, symbol of pride and, and all of that, which is it's our American symbol. But to the Jewish people... Uh, in their dietary laws, the eagle, because it tore with its beak and its talons and would eat carrion, and that's rotted flesh, by the way, as well as fresh things, it was something to be absolutely avoided at all costs. And yet, the cost of allowing, having the Romans build the great temple was to erect the most desecrated thing that you can imagine at the entrance to the holy place. And so that's, you sort of get the idea of what that was like. In Luke chapter 1, there was a young woman by the name of Mary. What we know is that she was somewhere between the ages of 12 and 16. Very, very, very young. But um, uh, brides were claimed early in that day, and her husband Joseph was a carpenter, and Mary did not come from um, 
landed gentry. She was a woman of poor estate, and, but she had been betrothed to Joseph. And in that, those days, being betrothed, it was like engagement, but the only way that you could break that was an actual divorce ceremony. And she was by herself one evening, and the angel came to her and told her several things. And he told her that you're going to bear a son, and they're going to call his name Jesus, and he's going to be great. And, and she was filled with doubt, and she was filled with fear, and she questioned, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin, this is impossible. And for her, it meant that if she was pregnant, she did not have a husband. That meant that there would certainly be a divorce. It also meant that in that day and time in the Middle East, as is there is an effect today in some countries, adultery outside of the bonds of marriage or being betrothed, you could be stoned to death for that. And who would believe her? It just meant absolutely disgrace. But the angel told her that she was going to bear a son and uh, he would be great and he would be called the son of the Most High. And she finally responded with these words. She said, I am your servant. According to your word, be it unto me. And I want to share those things with you this morning. The angel came and said, you will give birth to a son. His name will be Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, 21 through 33, the angel said to Joseph, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what Luke was writing about as he recorded this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that God is no respecter of persons. When God chose a woman to bear his son, Jesus Christ, who would be called King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that he did not, God did not specify that it would come through the highest levels of government. He did not specify or require that it would come through the most wealthy portions of the land or the citizenry of the land or the most educated or the most popular. But as a young woman, 12 to 16 years old, who's betrothed to Joseph, and God uses people just like you and just like me and just like Mary to carry out His will. He'll be great. This morning we read from Isaiah chapter 9 that a son would be given to us. Uh, he would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting, the Mighty Father, the Prince of Peace. He will save us from our sins. He'd be great, the angel said, because he's going to be the Son of the Most High. If you can imagine Mary with all these doubts coursing through her mind, what that meant, that meant Messiah and Lord. Jesus means the Lord is our salvation. Son of the Most High meant that he would be a king, and as king, he is king of kings. The Bible tells us that he's king over death, he's king over hell, he's king over the grave, he's king over the future. Last week I referenced that one of his roles, one of the powerful things that he did was to deliver us from the fear of death. 
D.L. Moody said this, that death may be the king of terrors, but Jesus is the king of kings. Could someone say amen? When the angel said, Son of the Most High, it would be Messiah and Lord. And he'll be king on the throne of David, his father David. I want to explain that to you in just a moment. But the second thing that we know is that his kingdom will have no end. In verse 33, I want to read this to you again. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. God's plan since the very beginning for this world, the narrative or the plot line for this world and for you is that he created us and this, this world so that we could live in it and enjoy his presence forever and he could have fellowship with us. Uh, we are made in the image of God. And while no one can explain everything that there is about theology, I believe that God wanted to have children or people in his own image for the same reason that when my wife and I got married, I wanted to have a child, and she wanted to have a child. We wanted to have children. I didn't go to school to learn that. No one taught me that. No one said anything about that. I just know that we wanted to have children that were after us. It's just something that's inside of us. And God, in his wisdom, created this world and everyone in it, Adam and Eve, so that there would be fellowship. And God's Word said He walked with them daily. He came into them, and they experienced His presence and His joy. But what we know is that sin entered the world. Because of that, God has a plan of salvation, and that's what the big deal is about Christmas, that the people have sat in a great, great darkness, they've seen a great light, that Jesus Christ has come to us, that he could bear our sins and our sins could be forgiven and we could come back in a relationship with God our Father. But part of that plot line for the world is that God chose a people called Israel, that they would be the testimony in that day of a relationship with God. And so when he said to Mary that he will, he will be the king on the throne of David, what Mary knew as a Jewish person that it had been promised way back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago to King David that on his throne that there would be an ancestor that would sit on his throne forever and ever and ever. And all David knew was that, which was important in that day and time, that some one of his sons and grandsons and those that would come after him would sit on what was known as the Davidic throne over Israel. But that was really a prophecy that Israel the people of God, would one day, that would be made open to you and to me. Not just people who were Jewish by birth at that time, but to everyone else in the whole world, that when Jesus Christ came, that you and I have been included, and that when He comes, when He comes, when He came and when He comes, He will set up a kingdom on this world and in our hearts first of all. And Mary knew what this meant, that when this son would sit on the throne of David. It was fulfilling Bible prophecy. That's what, that's what she knew and what she understood that to be. His kingdom will be and have no end. First of all, he came to his own. Uh, the Word of God says there was a, a covenant with Israel, God's people. and then, But he also came to as a light to the rest of us. Can you say, thank you, Lord, 
Praise God. I've been included in God's plan. His heart is big. Someone asked me if I was ready for Christmas. That was last Sunday, and I said, no, I'm not ready for Christmas. Um, Christmas is a test. Um, I always like to really study the night before. How many know what I mean? It's like nothing's changed since college. Um, I actually, I actually I buy some presents early, but then the last couple of days I really put the pedal to the metal. I just like that. I like that. I, and I explained to a couple of my daughters the other day, I said, it is like a test. The closer the test comes, the more the adrenaline flows and the more you feel it. How many resonate with what I'm talking about? I mean, yeah, I know some of you are already by September or July. That's good for you. God bless you. I just like to feel what's going on there. All right. But what we know is that God has included you and me. And it wasn't just some feeling that he has. I, I, uh, so I, I love, love to buy gifts, love to buy things for my wife, um, and uh, it's interesting, it's interesting, you know, I ask the grandkids, what'd you, get your, what'd you get your mom and dad, and they're telling me all these things, but as I go around town, I, I see something, and, and I said, oh, I think Chris will like that, and the more I buy, the more I want to buy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just, it does something for you just to give, you know, just that, whatever it is, and, and, uh, I do think that maybe comes from the heart of God, that God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't hold anything back. He, uh, he, he wasn't bound by anything. The only thing that motivated him was his love. And so because he loved, he gave. And because he gave his all, he included his all, which is his creation, which is both Jews and Gentiles, in fact, the Word of God says this uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, that when Jesus Christ came, He broke down the dividing wall between the races so that now, because of His coming as Lord and Messiah, we all have access to God our Heavenly Father. Can someone say amen? That's what Christmas is all about. In our hearts, He's come so that He could be Lord and king and we'd be under his governance, meant that he would set up a kingdom in our hearts even now, where it's a different, different government. Um, it means that we come under his, his grace and his kindness and his mercy. It means that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus Christ. It means that when we follow Him and make Him Lord of our life, that not only do we have access to God, but God has access to our lives. That we don't shut Him out any longer. Henry Blackaby, who is a, a great, great uh, Baptist um, person of, of faith, um, said this. He said that Jesus Christ has a right to interrupt your life. He is Lord. When you accepted him as Lord and Savior, you gave him that right to help himself to your life anytime he wants. And so when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, Lord, come into my heart and forgive my sin, but 
I, I want to know your love and I, I want to know your governance. I want to come, I, I, I want your rule in my life. But it means that he now has access to all of our lives. And the benefits of that are his grace and his kindness, his watching out for us, and he goes before us and he walks behind us, and he's always with us even to the end of the world. But that because we're in the family of God, sometimes, not sometimes, but always he's looking out for our best. And he does not allow things to happen to us, but what he's provided a way of his grace and of escape in the time of trial or temptation. The third thing I want to share with you is this, is that Mary said, how can this be since I am a virgin? virgin?" Doubts could have caused Mary to to miss being part of the greatest transaction in all of history. Several years ago, um, some of you remember the dot-com bubble. How many remember that, the dot-com bubble? Stocks are just going out of this world. Um, how many of you have heard of Bitcoin? How many know what Bitcoin is? How many have invested in Bitcoin? You don't have to raise your hand if you have, okay. Um, man, what was it? thousand dollars then thirty thousand then it dropped I don't know what it's doing right now but it's just absolutely crazy um, I've talked with a lot of people and and most people have a story to tell in their lives that say oh my goodness if I could have bought that property back then it was dollars on the acre now they just sold it for a million dollars some version of that in your life you you know what I'm talking about if only I had done that Look where I'd be now. Um, I, I want to say this. That, work, that cuts both ways. Uh, sometimes it's a good thing we didn't do that because look where we are now. If we'd done that, it's hard telling where we'd be. But Mary had this opportunity that was given to her, announced by an angel. And even though an angel spoke to her, that didn't guarantee that she was going to say yes. And all the doubts that anyone could ever have went through her mind, and there's absolutely no reason, there's absolutely no reason that she could rightly believe that it would be true of her because of the culture of that day. People were very, very, very much aware of, of the glass ceiling, if you would, or what they could do and what they could not do. But Mary said these words, Uh, She responded to him. Let me back up. When she said, how will this be? The angel in so many words said, this will be God's work. That's how. This will be God's work. It's how God works. He said, the the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, overshadow you. As you read Scripture, there's a repeatable pattern that God intervenes and interferes in the lives of ordinary people and in His created world when the Spirit of God comes upon them. In fact, in fact, uh, and I have to be careful how I say this, I don't want to be taken the, the wrong way, but 
Did you know that a man had nothing to do with the birth of Jesus Christ? It was a woman and the work of God. Now, take that the right way. That doesn't mean, ladies, that we're not necessary. I mean, okay, um, there's only one Virgin Mary that I'm aware of. All right. And everyone here took a guy and a gal. That I'll just end it right there. But the work that God wants to do in your life and in my life cannot be, cannot be activated by humankind. We're made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. And you and I exist on this human plane of what we can see and feel and touch and through our senses. But our hearts have been made in the image of God. There's a hole in our heart until He comes and fills that through a life-giving relationship. But the work that God has for you and for me, comes when we say, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you can do the impossible. And the angel said, in so many words, he said, look around you and see. He said, for nothing will be impossible with God. And he said to, to Mary, on one end of the spectrum, you're not even married you have not had sexual relations with your betrothed. But I want you to look at your wife, or not your wife, but your cousin Elizabeth, who everyone said was so old and she was barren that she'd never have a child. Two ends of the spectrum, but now she's going to have a child because with God, nothing will be impossible. And I believe that God wants us to catch that that what God has for you and what God has for me is a, is a work that's beyond the capabilities of humankind. People can love us and support us and create an environment for us, but there is a work that only God can do. We live, uh, unfortunately, in a day and age that seems to shut God out or relegate Him to someplace in the past but can you imagine a world without God's active participation in it, without God's hand in it? Can you imagine a world without the hope of a Savior? There means that there's no salvation. It means that ultimately this planet Earth ends in a shipwreck. But God, because He loves us and is our sustainer and the creator, God comes and what He's done in the lives of other people God is here today to do in your life, and there's no respecter of persons. Absolutely no respecter of persons. And so we said to Mary, look around and see your cousin Elizabeth. She's too old to have a baby, but she's, she's already six months pregnant. And I want to encourage you today to look around and see. I see, I see scores and hundreds of testimonies here at Grace Assembly in Bel Air of what God has done in their lives. People who, as I look around, people who, who were involved in running numbers or people who were controlled by life-controlling substances or whose marriage was on the rocks and there was no hope for it. People who, who had been the victims of 
an upbringing in a family where no one seemed to love or care for them. And yet God, by His great grace, has done a work in their life and He's placed their feet on solid rock because He ultimately is the only one that can do that, praise His name. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, praise His name. I look at, look at people and you come in every day, every, every Sunday and so often during, during when the office is open during the day and I see what God is doing that's all we can say is this is the Lord's doing and it's powerful in our eyes, our sights. I know where my family came from. I know where my wife came from. And how that as a young girl and, and coming over from Germany and her father had, had, a, had served in the German army and the SS, and it was, it was not a good background to have in upstate New York. It was not a good time to come to the United States just 15 years after, 13 years after the end of World War II in rural upstate New York, and her family was not in church, but it was a church, the Lutheran Church of America, that sponsored her family to immigrate here to the United States, and make a new start. And one day, one day, my wife, who at that time was just a little girl, she heard something about the neighborhood Bible clubs or after-school program. And she heard about Jesus Christ and how He loved her and how He could take away the sins of the earth, of the world, and her as an individual. And she heard the good news of Jesus Christ for the first time. And that family that was, did not, was not on a good trajectory, let me put it that way, God did a work in her life and she went to the Assembly of God Church in Dansville, New York. It wasn't large, 60 people to 100 people, but they loved her and they introduced her to the Missionette program and, and she was crowned as an honor star and went to youth camp and was saved. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Lord called her to Bible college, and she was to be a teacher, and God called me somehow to Southeastern University, and our paths meant there, met there. But I don't have to look very far and see what God did that no one else can do. My grandfather, who had marched in, the, in a parade in Washington, D.C. As, as part of the Ku Klux Klan in the early 1920s, who was a rough, rough, rough man, and our family Many were bound with alcohol and some died in, in a drunken stupor as a house burned down around them. But God in His grace and His mercy reached out and saved them because He is King of kings and Lord of lords. We praise God because of that. That's the gift of God. The things that are impossible with man are possible with God. Praise His name. Only believe, believe in Him. He is no respecter of persons. And she replied to him. She simply said in so many words, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. What are you today? Does that define your life? I am a servant of the Lord. Here I am. 
Let it be to me according to God's Word and God's will. No matter who you are, no matter what your past says that your future trajectory will be, we say to the Lord, here I am I, I'm available. You do with me according to your word and to your will. God will do something in your life that is far beyond what you could do or anyone else could do for you. Praise his name. The rest of the story is history, but the story's not done. The future is as bright as the promises of God. God's Word says that one day we shall see Him. He will then be King of kings and Lord of lords. In fact, the Word of God says that every, one day every eye will behold Him. Jesus Christ will come back to this earth. God's Word tells us in the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter, that He appeared the first time to save us as a Savior, to bear the sins of many, to as many believed on Him. He gave them the power to become the children or the sons of God. But He is coming again the second time. And this time it's not to bear the sins of many, but it's to finalize our salvation. Can someone say amen? He's coming. book of Revelation tells us that of this great cosmic struggle between the forces of evil and, and God, that one day from heaven, John said, I saw heaven open, I saw a white horse, and I saw behind the, the rider in this horse were the armies of heaven. I said, on his thigh were written these words, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the struggle that ensued that was finally over once and for all, forever and for all eternity. Revelation paints that one day all the purposes of God concerning this earth and His creation and you and me will be finalized and it will be over and then He shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever and of His kingdom there shall be no end. Praise His name. Amen. So on that day, when the virgin said, how could this be? How could this thing ever be? I want to encourage us to know that God knows the end from the beginning. And for us to say, Lord, I believe that with you, the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. And in my own life, God, you can turn the water into wine. That's your gift to us. Praise his name. Amen. Isn't God good? Praise His name. I want to bow our heads and I'm going to ask the uh, band and the choir if they start coming. The kids' choir is going to come and sing. God bless you.